baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Just uh, walking by your uh, your room, and uh, and you, you know, I was thinking, uh, boy, it's been a long time since we've had the uh, little father son uh, uh, chat. This is Dirt and Sprague. I uh, I bought some magazines. Do you want to just flip to the uh, center section? Well, this is the this is the uh, female form. Andy Dirt Johnson. This is Hustler, and this is a much more exotic magazine. Look at the expression on her face. You see that? See what she's doing? She's kind of looking right into your eyes, saying. Hey, big boy. Hey, how you doing? You see? Right. And Brendan Sprague. Shave is a magazine I'm not too familiar with, but again, uh, if you flip to the center mm. section, well, you see the detail that uh, that they go into in this picture mm-hmm. here? Yeah. It, it almost looks like a, a tropical plant or some underwater yeah. thing. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. Okay, that, uh, that was good. Yeah. With dinner. Uh, yeah, I'll see you at dinner. The fan. All right, welcome back in. Hour number three, Dirt and Sprague here. We have a lot to get to. There's a story that just came out I want to talk about coming up. But uh, always exciting when we get these opportunities. They don't happen often because uh, this individual, she's quite famous, and she's one of the best writers in sports out there, Kate Fagan on Twitter, at Kate Fagan 3 She's got a new book out right now. It just released Hoop, uh, Hoop Muses, an insider's guide to pop culture and the women's game. And she joins us, Metal Arc Media, Off the Looking Glass podcast. You've seen her on ESPN, and she joins us. Good morning, Kate. Thanks for hopping on with us. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me. Portland is one of my favorite cities, so I'm happy to be with you. I uh, I have to admit something to you before I ask you about the book. I was in Minneapolis uh, sometime in May, and I, I liked whenever I travel anywhere, I love to check out local coffee shops. It's it's me and my wife's favorite thing to do. Just see what the scene is. And as as I walked into a coffee shop, you walked right past me. And I, I stood there and I went, oh, my God, I that's Kate Fagan. I know her. And my wife's like, are you going to say hi? And I was like, no, I don't want to bother. I'm sure she gets it all the time. And we went in, we got coffee. It was a great spot. But I, I was like, I, I had a little bit of resentment that I didn't say hi to you and that I appreciate your work. Well, next time uh, you should definitely say hello. I also... I also map my travel with a great coffee shop, which is why we probably ended up at the same great coffee shop. And yes, I was there for one of our good friends' 40th birthday. So would have been nice to say hello over a good cup of coffee. Well, it's it's good to have you on the radio show. I'm excited for your book that just got released yesterday. I, I am kind of curious here as, as I dive in. I haven't gotten the book yet, and I know you worked with Simone Augustus. Like Your last book was a pretty deeply personal book. I, I'm I'm always curious how authors decide to like what they decide to dive into what they decide to commit their time to this one seems like a really fun uh you know futuristic retelling of of women hoops and and creating lore and mythology or or even like you know godlike levels of basketball and women's hoops how you go from something so deeply personal to this well i suppose 
if you look at all of the books I've done, I mean, the one before that was What Made Maddie Run, and it was yep. about this young athlete who died by suicide. I, I mean, I wasn't consciously thinking this, but it was nice to work on Hoop Muses, this book that was leading with joy and vibrancy and fun, because so much of what I had done while hopefully conveying important stories like had felt so heavy, both from like my dad's ALS diagnosis to discussions of suicide and impact of athlete mental health. And it was really nice in working on this book. I mean, I I took it seriously and I feel like honoring these women in history is a serious endeavor, but it certainly is just infused with a kind of joy. I can't say there was like a straightforward reasoning or like a conscious level of reasoning of doing that. But I, I do think that that, that brought me, um, a lot of contentment is, is sharing some, some humor and some creativity in a way that I probably hadn't on ESPN or in some of my previous books. Well, and the, the art looks awesome as well as, as I'm looking here at the cover. And the description of the book is it's a fascinating look. And if you could share just like a little, a little anecdote of what the book is, is basically what you're telling in this story. Well, I mean, I want to try and make this as concise as possible, but <laughs> right <laughs> We've got these amazing illustrations. We've got beautiful comic book art. We've got reimagined movie posters. All of it is to the end, is, is to the goal of, of taking these women in history and, and raising them to the levels of mythology that we often do in men's sports. But what's, what was fascinating in going back in the history, because like pre, basically pre-Cheryl Miller, like from Naismith inventing the game until Cheryl Miller plays at University of Southern California, like that was all just like, open time to me as far as I was concerned. And yet, I mean, I could take you through so many just like really rich stories of like barnstorming all women's teams who traveled the country to, you know, the first intercollegiate game where, where men are climbing the scaffolding because they're not allowed to watch. I mean, there was just, there's so many women and so many stories that if they had happened on the men's side, like we, we would have, we would have made scripted shows about them. We would have made movies. There'd be books. Um, Oh, did we lose her? Did we got her? We had cut out there a little bit. Kate, are you there? Am I back? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just cut out at the very end of that. I don't, I don't, I don't know what you got finished it. with. I, I said I and I wanted to infuse those stories with life. Oh, okay, okay. This is a hoop, mu- a hoop muse. I keep starting the hoop word with an M. Hoop muses an insider's guide to pop culture and the women's game. It just got released. This is Kate Fagan. She's on Twitter at Kate Fagan three. Give her a follow. Off the Looking Glass, Metal Arc Media employee, great writer, one of the best out there uh, in sports. You know that is interesting to tell the stories and to create some of the all-time legendary stuff that that a lot of people don't know about, that that they have never heard about. And I think a book like this is going to open a lot of eyes. In some ways, though, Kate, would you say that we're living kind of in the building of the heroes and the all-time stuff now? Like, not to take away from the past, but Tarasi and and Bird, and you've got this new wave of Candace Parker. You've got all these all-time legendary players. Brianna Stewart had a big offseason where everybody's kind of following where she's going and what she's doing. It, 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 it may take a lot longer, but it feels like right now we, we're building some of these, these all-time stories for women's hoops. I think so. And I think the key thing about that is that, you know, in, in, in Hoop Muses, we sort of start in the future at the 75th anniversary of the WNBA, and we're honoring the Sue Birds and, and the Brianna Stewart because – from now, I think, into the future, 
unless something happens unforeseen to all of us, there's going to be this unbroken lineage. I don't see the game being canceled again, right? I don't see people deeming it unladylike or all of the different interruptions of the history of women's basketball like that we talk about in hoop news is like, those are a thing of the past. And so what we have now is a game that has reached new heights and storytelling that is unlike anything we've seen before. So I think we are in, you know, we are in the mythology, even though it can't be mythology without time, that right. necessary ingredient. But I, I do think we're at the forefront of building that for the future. The numbers simply state, like, women's hoops is rising in popularity. It's rising in TV ratings. There's one player for me. I, I've been really honest with listeners about this. Like, college basketball on the men's side, I just I'm, I, I find it really hard to watch. I'm a big NBA fan, so... The, the, the difference offensively in the way that they play at just it's really hard for me to want to follow and get you know heavily involved and on the other side though I have a Caitlin Clark at Iowa that's doing things oh. that feel like Steph Curry like like how do you mm-hmm. put into words what you've seen from Caitlin Clark you played at Colorado if I showed Caitlin Clark film to you at Colorado in like 2004 what would you even have thought of that player I I would have thought you were uh, some sort of magician from, you know, who was taking me into the future. I mean, there's just no comparison to the way, even the recent history, right? I, I stopped playing at Colorado in 2004 and the way the game is now compared to then, like you, you can't compare it, the size, the speed, the training, the dynamic nature of it. And it's funny you bring up Caitlin Clark at Iowa because Iowa has the, I would say of any state in in the U.S., Iowa has the richest history with the game of women's basketball. I mean, there is just so many stories about the way that they have honored and kept that game front and center and built a really rich history. So in some ways, it's so cool after reading about Iowa's history now to see packed arenas watching a homegrown Iowa talent it just it feels so right because of the place Iowa has in women's basketball history I I tend to believe like dynasties people always say dynasties are great for sports and I I think that can be true I do think it can reach a point of annoyance see the New England Patriots here for most people but I think one good thing that women's hoops has going for it is UConn had this amazing run and it felt like it was my whole life that UConn women's hoops was number one. <laughs> and it, it feels like college hoops. And I, I hope Caitlin Clark, is, as I mentioned her, I hope that she can go far into the tournament. I think that would be big for the sport and, and big for, for, for getting eyeballs. But, like, just the sport in general, it feels like we're kind of finally at a place where everybody's caught UConn. UConn's not just, oh, well, UConn's going undefeated or UConn will never lose for three years. It, it feels like there's so much more parity now. And UConn's kind of more down a little bit. I think they're seventh right now in the last rankings we had. Does it feel that way? Is somebody following really closely? I, I think the days of UConn winning, whatever, I can't even remember, 111 consecutive games or whatever it was. It, I mean, I, those days are just gone. There, there's just the infusion of talent, the proliferation of the of the game. And by that, I mean like the ability to understand the game and see training both through social media. Like it means that anywhere in this country, a young girl can learn this game in a way that is unprecedented. And so I don't think there's, that doesn't mean I don't think when Paige Beckers at UConn gets healthy, that they not, they're not winning the title next year. Obviously that is, I mean, they could knowing UConn, they could win the title this year, but they're not going to steamroll over opponents the way that they have before. And 
you know, I think there was a time and place for UConn to dominate, like you said, basically from 1995 off and on until, you know, 2017, I, I believe, maybe it's 2016, the last year they, they won a title. I mean, there was a time and a place for that, but it's the future now. And you've got programs, like you said, like Indiana, like Iowa. I mean, you're pretty close to that Oregon program, which itself has been national news in, in so many years. It's just the, the game itself has evolved to a point where I don't think we're not going to have the title winner, you know, winning by 80 points. I, I'm, I'm excited for the book to be released. I'm sure you are as well. It feels like the response is going to be pretty good. Uh, are you a little bummed you didn't get to add this Alabama's girls basketball team that beat the boys and then was <laughs> denied the championship because of some, you know, weird little stipulation of, of, how they accumulated their team together and why they even had to play in this tournament. Yeah. I mean, we had to send this book to the printer at some point. Um, and I, yeah, I've, I've been lamenting the fact that I don't have like a Brianna Stewart goes to the New York Liberty and Kevin Durant advocates for her free agency signing. I mean, there's, there's been so many things even in the last few months that feel like part of the lore uh, of women's basketball and that Alabama team. And that story is right in line with that. Uh, get you out of here with this one. Uh, Portland is a city that, you know, we're diehard soccer fans and we love our Blazers. The The Thorns have some of the best attendance in in the women's league. Do, do you think the WNBA is going to expand soon? And do you think Portland, Oregon is a place that potentially could be getting one of those teams? I, I, I do think the WNBA is going to be expanding soon. And I, and I do believe Portland is in the, in the top five discussion of cities that, that needs a team, both from, you know, the financial assets and the financial community there that would support it as well. I mean, you mentioned the thorns that there's a perfect kind of case study about how Portland responds both to women's sports, as well as its its own sports teams, whether it's the Blazers or it's a, a women's sports team. So, and, and just the homegrown talent that we've seen in, in that area of the country, I feel like it may not be the first expansion team. I feel like that is probably going to be like Bay Area, but it's definitely a place that every time I talk to somebody, it's like that's, that's got to be one of the next destinations because of its, its lineage of, of supporting these kinds of franchises. Well, Kate, uh, I appreciate you hopping on. I, I could talk to you for an hour. We have radio clocks that exist. I, I'm really happy for you. The Hoop <laughs> Muses and Insider's Guide to Pop Culture in the Women's Game. Um, I, I hope this thing goes up on the bestsellers list. I, I'm a big fan of your work at Metal Arc Media, so keep up the great work. Thanks for hopping on with us. And, hey, maybe next time we're both in the same city doing the exact same thing, I'll, I'll actually say hi and introduce myself. Yeah, let's go get a good cup of coffee in Portland, which is not hard to find. All right, there we go. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. Bye. All right, there we go. Kate Fagan, author of the new book, Hoop Muses, an insider's guide to pop culture. It's It's an interesting book. It's an interesting idea of... She goes into the future, and it basically looks back into the history, the way that we kind of look back sometimes in the NBA in the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, the 60s, etc. Um, so go check it out. She's a great author. She's got some fantastic books out there, and you can find her on Twitter, at KateFagan3. All right, let's get going. We're a little over it. It's 817 Dirt and Sprague, back with more on The Fan. All right, welcome back in. Good stuff from Kate Fagan. You missed that interview. You can check it out, 1080thefan.com. Uh, there is an article I'm going through during the breaks by uh, Mirren Fader, uh, who is one of the great authors a- out there, and she's the one that wrote the Giannis book. And if you haven't read that, I mean, you talk about a great story. That The Giannis story 
it's part of the reason I like him so much, aside from just his personality, his leadership, his ability. The story itself is one of the all-time American stories that you can read, and she does an exceptional job. Her latest profile that she just came out with today, Greg Oden. Uh, he is the director of ops at Butler now, so he went back home. Fad Mata's their coach. He left Ohio State and got back into the coaching game, and so uh, Thad Mata gave Greg Oden a chance, and he basically just, they're diving into everything, his shame, his embarrassment, his, you know, his failures, the four-letter word bust, uh, his addiction to pain pills and alcohol, and how he's kind of used a lot of the years it took for him to get past the point of not succeeding in the NBA the way he thought he would, to now finding a purpose and has the ultimate goal of being a coach and his coaching philosophy and just it's she's really really good at doing these profile pieces why the Giannis book is so good um but I'm I'm just about through it I've been going through it during the commercial breaks highly advise checking it out it's it's a really good look at Greg and I know Greg Odin's had some things written about him before I think he had one a couple years ago by ESPN uh but this is when she writes something I I tend to read it every time and this is a pretty good check-in and look of, of Greg Oden, who, you know, at one point we all thought was going to lead Portland to a, a, a certain level, and it just didn't work out for him. So I uh, highly advise checking that out. I'm just about done with it, and it's a, it's a really stinking good read. Um, Giants have picked Daniel Jones, Swigard, Daniel Jones. They got to the second round, got to divisional weekend, upset the Vikings in the wild card. And Daniel Jones got himself a contract. Now, there's a lot of incentives in that contract, but he's going to make $40 million this next year, so he's another one of these $40 million quarterbacks. Uh, did the Giants do the right thing? Because they feel like they did, but this surprised a lot of people. They thought he would just get the tag. They gave him the deal, and they ended up tagging Saquon at $10 million. Uh, this is one that time will tell. Now, uh you know, you would have loved to have had Brian Dayball a year or two earlier to spend more time with Daniel Jones and see if it was truly a lack of of quality coaching that didn't help his growth uh, the way it seemed to go in the last year uh, and really find out if he can be worthy of the, the total value of that contract. Uh, but... Th- you kind of feel there's there's some that feel like their hands were forced because they couldn't let Saquon Barkley go because you didn't want to lose that security blanket for Daniel Jones and how much does having a guy like that uh, force defenses to, you know, not just completely sell out and go get him. Um, and they knew they were going to have to use this franchise tag on Saquon or lose him. So how much was their hand forced by the, by the timing of things? But it's it's heavily incentive laden. So if he performs, then he'll earn it, um, which is you know the way I think you like to have contracts. Mm-hmm. And but we'll see. I don't think anybody's a hundred percent sold. I think there's, you know, there are going to be some Giants fans and some people that say he's a function. You know, he's the program guy. He's a function of everything else around him and some quality coaching now. And he looks better by comparison. But is he great? That's the question. Uh, so the big thing for him this year with Dayball going to New York was, hey, he's not turning the ball over anymore. Remember, he yeah, had a big well, fumbling problem. Yeah, well, you're not supposed to turn the ball over. Yes. Uh, 
His last three years, he played 14 games and threw 11 touchdown passes. He played 11 games in 21 and threw 10 touchdown passes. And he played 16 games this past year and threw 15 touchdown passes. So he's not even throwing more touchdowns than games played. But he is, as it trended on Twitter during the Viking win, Vanilla Vic. He can run. He's mobile. You know, they alluded to this in the press conference going into last year when they introduced Dayball about how they kind of failed him as an organization. I think that that's pretty fair and that's really accurate. And tough part for him, much like I said with Lamar earlier, like who was he throwing to and who was coaching him and what was the offensive philosophy? Saquon wasn't staying healthy. Like it's not that Daniel Jones is going to live up to this deal and earn all 160 and hit the incentives or win a Super Bowl, but there is a part of this that's like, hey, Dayball feels like he got a good year one out of him. They tag Saquon. They're going to get Saquon back. If they can add a piece or two, maybe Dayball looks at this and says, I can get this kid over the over the top. I can get him from 15 touch, uh, touchdown passes this year. To Can he get him to 26? Yeah. Can, he, can he make that kind of a leap? It's possible. You throw a couple touchdowns in a game, there you go. Um, or he might just love his mobile ability, and maybe this is the Lamar kind of avenue. He's like, I got a Lamar type yeah. player. I can run him. I, he throws a couple few you know, touchdown passes. He's not the top end passer of the football. I understand everybody's reaction to, oh, because I that was kind of my. I saw this at a sandwich shop yesterday, and I went, oh, four for one sixty. <laughs> Okay, we're signing up on the Daniel Jones train, but you got to remember some of these coaches and these staffs feel like they have the ability, and I think they proved that last year. Nobody picked the Giants to be in the divisional round. Nobody picked the Giants to be a playoff team, and Daniel Jones had the fewest interceptions and did enough good things for the Giants to say, you know what, we don't need to go all in. It doesn't appear they're going to draft a quarterback this year, and We'll see what happens after the the first year of the contract and go from there. And I think the thing is a GM and and executives and the owners get involved at that is talking to your head coach is like, not just do you believe you can win with the guy. Coaches are ultimately confident in themselves and their staffs and all that sort of thing. How do you win with Dan? It's how. How do you win with Daniel Jones as your quarterback? What does it look like? And okay, then do we have the right personnel with how you're going to go about executing that to, to get it done and be successful. And if you're satisfied with that conversation, then you can say, okay, this is how we want to structure it. We're not going to lock it up the whole time. Um, and, and they came to it. So, um, and I think Brian Dayball there in his first year, obviously earned the benefit of the doubt when he went and said, this is how we can win with Daniel Jones. This is what it'll look like. These are the areas now in free agency or in the draft where we need to make sure that we, we shore things up and, and add some quality, add some depth. If we can do those things, then yeah, we, we there, here's the plan to win 10, 11, 12 games this season with Daniel Jones. Uh, I got one more note in the NFL. I saw an article that I want to get to that I haven't discussed yet, and the Blazers are in action. We got a lot more to get to in the next half hour. But All right, the Blazers play Boston, but there's something Blazer-ish related I want to get to because I think they're going to lose tonight. Boston's lost three in a row. This is a get-right game for them. And again, as I said, Portland's not good. Just because you beat the Pistons doesn't really mean much to me. But... um. I haven't gotten Rodgers yet. I haven't talked Rodgers. Last time I talked Rodgers, somebody said, stop talking about it if you don't like him. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is moving teams. That potentially could be a pretty big story. Uh, The latest is that the Jets are meeting with him again. 
They meeting twice is a pretty big indicator. The Vegas odds have jumped from plus 3,500 to plus 1,500 that he becomes a New York football jet. And, you know, this one, it seems like it's a match made. Uh, Green Bay appears to want to move on from him. He's due $58.6 million in salary this year. And, you know, have to figure out how they work that structure, if the Jets take all of it, if the Packers pay some of it, because it, it, it isn't a pretty penny for everybody to want to spend. But it, it appears that we're inching closer and closer. There's still also a report that Rodgers may retire, that he will walk away from this whole thing. He doesn't need the money. He's content in his life. He's just going to do darkness retreats and ayahuasca and you know, find himself or whatever he's going to do in his post-career. I, I don't know if I buy that. Um, I think eventually he'll get to that spot. But this is a lot of money, and he just did a podcast, and I forget the guy's name, but he does his podcast pretty regularly. It's not McAfee. It's another guy. Aubrey Marcus? Marcus Aubrey? Something like that. Um, And he's basically gone on there a few times, and the last time he was there, he says, you know, people are doubting me, and last time they doubted me, they drafted a quarterback. I won two MVPs. Some have the opinion that Aaron Rodgers can get back there. I don't know if I do. Uh, I'm not saying he's fallen off a cliff. He's still a good quarterback. I just don't know if he's great anymore. And the Jets are in a spot where even a good quarterback for them could go a, a great deal. Yeah. I think him going to another – he seems like somebody that likes to spite people or, you know, have a prove-it factor. You think he would have been – okay, you might be right. But don't you think if not he was, he would have left after the Jordan Love pick immediately and been like, nah, nah screw you guys. No wide receiver. You drafted a quarterback, not a wide receiver. Yeah. I'm out. Um, I don't. I can't remember what the financial situation was. He might have not had a market because he had one of his like a no trade deal or something. That or you had one. Was that coming off the high interception season? That might have been the year before. Then with Jordan Love there, and he comes back, and that motivated him to those two MVPs. So he he has a. a kind of a stick-it-in-your-face factor to him that I don't think exists anymore with Green Bay. Now I think if he went somewhere else, I think he would kind of rededicate himself knowing – No, look, everybody knows it's going to be year-to-year. Year. He's He's got one foot out the door thinking about what's next and chilling and you know going on darkness retreats. But I think if he went to another team, he would be a little bit more – motivated to to go out in style and, and prove it to everybody else that he was right and be, everybody else wasn't. It'd be pretty wild if he did go to the Jets. Just the, yeah. the, 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 the sheer odds of having all-time franchise quarterback that you trade to the Jets follow him up with all-time great franchise quarterback that you trade to the Jets? Like, for Farvin Rodgers to both have the careers they had back-to-back, franchises don't get that often. The Colts were lucky. The Packers were fortunate. You know, the Steelers kind of had this a little bit. Teams don't get that. Niners had it a little bit. But, you know, they won with Steve Young and they won with Joe Montana. You just you don't get this very often. And for both of them to potentially end up on the Jets immediately following the Packers in a trade, that that's pretty wild to me. Talk about a spicy division, though. The AFC East with Rodgers, Allen, Mac Jones is supposed to come back now. He's got an offensive coordinator. And the Dolphins were pretty good with Tua. And they damn near beat the Bills with Skylar Thompson. So you would imagine they're also going to be good. That's a spicy little division, the AFC East of Rodgers lands there. No question. Uh, and then 
Yeah, and it'll be, I mean, then you add the fact that it's New York media, and so... That's a relationship I'm I'm very interested in if he you know, goes there. Because there's go well. a dozen guys there every day, yeah. every practice. He can't, he can't shake them. They will not let him, you know, every wiggle off stuff. Every restaurant lady he walks yeah. with. You know, you go to Green Bay, Wisconsin, nobody cares because nobody's there. Just show up at Lambeau and ball out. That's all they want. Exactly. That's all they care about. But you go to New York, man, they're like, oh, he went and saw cats with so-and-so yeah. last night. He was caught holding hands with this guy. Yeah, you'll get the paparazzi on top of the sports, oh, yeah. uh, on top of the beat riders. Yep, yep. And then back page of the New York Post all the time and and – you know, that's I think that's what Woody Johnson kind of wants because he's tired of he he wants headlines. They're close. I mean, they had they had maybe the well, they had the offensive rookie of the year. They had another guy who was probably going to win offensive rookie there before he got her. So they had two studs on their offense. And then they had a, the defensive rookie of the year in Sauce Gardner. Like, yeah, we know what the roster is. The yep. roster is kind of ready made. I do wonder if it, let's say they start like one and two or one and three. I wonder if the tabloids, the headlines, all that New York stuff, it seems very Rodgers that, like, they paint a bad picture about him in the start, and he comes out and he's like, cancel culture. The 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 media, oh, yeah. the major media outlets, all cancel culture, canceling me right now. That's kind of right in his avenue and wheelhouse. I oh, could, yeah. I could envision him he doing. Likes to be, he likes to be the victim. He li- Yeah, he likes to play the victim in most of his instances, even though I think he brings most of the attention to himself and... You know, I, I might not be a big fan. I might not think he's going to do much. There's a lot of people out there that disagree with me on that, and it could be a stupid take. But time will tell on that. But the latest report is that the New York Jets are meeting with him yet again, and uh, this thing's heating up. He's he's kind of the last big domino. We've got Lamar yeah. got tagged, Jimmy Jones. Yeah, Jimmy G's still out there. Jimmy G, I think, could land in a pretty good spot in Washington. I know they just went through yeah. Wentz. Peter King noted, like, has there been a player that got more financially rewarded with giving less for teams than Carson Wentz? He has an exactly 500 record. Yeah, I know. I would argue Sam Bradford on line two. Uh, he basically changed the rookie scale wage, uh, a wage scale, and got multiple contracts and never could stay healthy. But I see Peter King's point. I think even despite going after Wentz, Jimmy G in Washington could be a good match mm-hmm. under the radar. I don't know if the expectations are truly there, and they got some pieces where Jimmy, I think, could be okay. Yeah. Uh, but Rodgers in New York, right now today, we'll see what happens later, but today it feels like that's a match. Yeah, break. the biggest piece will be then, if the Jets are convinced that Rodgers, if they pull this off, he's at least going to be all in for the one season. For sure. Uh, then they got to figure out that signing bone, that balloon payment he's due, mm-hmm. and how much are the Packers willing to take of that to make the deal happen the Blazers are on the road still they had these six games in nine days this time they play a real basketball team not the Orlando Magic or the Detroit Pistons they play Boston and something I want to keep an eye out for for Portland and I'll tell you what that is coming up next Dirt and Sprague on the fan all right welcome back in Dirt and Sprague with you lovely little Wednesday talked with Brady Henderson about the Seahawks offseason plans now that Gino got his deal and Kate Fagan, author of the new book, Hoop Muses. Uh, really enjoyed both those conversations, Kate, with some really good stuff. The women's game, the ratings on Fox and ESPN jumped this year in women's hoops. Uh, and I, I, Caitlin Clark, if you've not seen Caitlin Clark at Iowa, She's I mean, amazing. holy crap, Steph Curry. It just, it, 
it looks and feels just like Steph Curry at Davidson and I think one of the best possible scenarios for women's hoops could be if their tournament she goes on a decent run and Iowa goes into the tourney and pushes some teams and she has an exciting buzzer beater or just game where she drops yep. 40. Um, so good conversations you can find at 1080thefan.com. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, and I, I, I want to bring it back one more time, uh, at least for today's show. Uh, don't forget that next Thursday, Friday, we're going to be out for Fan Madness at the Stadium Sports Bar at a uh, noon to 3 and 3 to 7. Danny Dusty Primetime will be doing their shows there. Uh, Dirt and I will come out and hang out for a little bit. And uh, you can gamble on the games. You can watch the games with us. Uh, you can make fun of Dusty. You can make fun of Sukanic. You can make fun of Dirt and Sprague. You, whoever you want to make fun of, you can come out there and make fun of us. Tell us how awful our takes are. Or just have a drink with us and chill and watch some basketball. And then the following week, we'll be out at X-Golf in Tualatin on the 23rd. And then X-Golf uh, on the 24th from noon to 7. You can play in a nationwide X-Golf St. Patty's Scramble. And all of this is brought to you. Uh, by Laurelwood Brewing Company, crafting community since 2001. I've heard you sniff at least three times during the show. Did you develop a dusty problem down in Vegas? Uh, no, it was so dry uh, out there. One, it was it was not much warmer than it was here, quite frankly. We had one day where it got over 60. Well, they get that mountain wind, and it gets chilly. It, it was chilly there. It got down into the 30s at night, but it was so ridiculously dry that now I'm back with even the level of humidity humidity that we have, and my nose is all jacked up. The Blazers play the Celtics tonight? Yeah, this is a hide-your-eyes game. I am fading the living hell out of the Blazers. Well, Boston's say that right now. grouchy. They've lost four of their last five. Mm-hmm. Everybody's cranky. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the players like their interim coach. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, this could be a, let as you said, a get-right game. And, and boy, if, if Portland's not dialed in defensively. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Boston they're, they're might not. put up 150. Yeah, they're not dialed in defensively. Uh, yeah, nothing we've seen lately uh, indicates that they are going to be able to do anything with Jason Tatum. So I'm fading the hell out of them. I think Boston's going to destroy them. Uh, but I'll say this. I don't have much on that. I This is the offseason of offseasons, and I know you've heard that eight times from Neil now to Joe. But it really feels like it is it because Dame is yeah. you know, he's at the peak, and how much longer will the prime exist? One player to keep an eye on, and there's a relationship here. A guy that just got traded, and since he got traded, is now averaging 26 points. He's a monster on defense, and he's kind of putting himself into a different conversation of what kind of player is he. And that's Mikael Bridges in Brooklyn. Now, I know Brooklyn just acquired him, and you could be saying, well, no way he's available. I don't know about that. If if players don't want to be somewhere... This league and these teams tend to just give in and say, okay, I'm not going to fight this. You're miserable. Mikael Bridges works out with Dame's guy, Phil Beckner. He's a Phil Beckner guy. There was a relationship there. It's just another name to kind of throw at you. Not that they're going to get it. Not that they're going to hit big in the offseason. I'm not promising anything like that. But it's it's another name. I got a Pascal Siakam on my list. I think you got to throw uh, Mikael Bridges in there. I'm hopeful and going pie in the sky that Joel Embiid gets pissed if they get bounced in round two and James Harden goes to Houston. This is the offseason, and Mikael Bridges is a name to keep following as the season ends. He has upped his numbers, his production, and even kind of his stardom in the league since he got uh, to Brooklyn. And he's kept the Nets 
within that playoff race. Uh, we also have the Pac-12 tournament tipping off today, starting at noon. Yep, noon. Washington uh, is in their game. I think Colorado. Uh, don't watch that game. Beavs at eight thirty tonight. They Tune got the nightcap. Danny Dusty, and then uh, yeah, Danny Dusty. Uh, head coach Michael Meek of the Pilots women's basketball team, the WCC champion, will join them at one o'clock today. Okay, there you go. They just won the WCC. They beat uh, Gonzaga. That's their second title since twenty twenty. And uh, look for that interview. Look for Isaac and Souk. Uh, and tomorrow, we've got Ken Barkley scheduled to come on the show at 8. we got Basket Blue Balls that I didn't do last week. We'll do it this week. And uh, we'll have a lot more to talk about in the sports world as the NFL is never stopping as well. I didn't get to my George Klievkov thing. Players Pac- Championship Pac-12 starts tournament. tomorrow. Players Championship starts. Uh, loaded show tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this has been Dirt and Sprague. We'll catch you uh, tomorrow. And, uh, yeah, we'll get through all the things. Nice to have you back here. I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'll feel better when I'm sleeping in my own bed, but um, that's Is that going to be today? Or? I don't think it's going to be okay, today. Okay, great. Another couch night for <laughs> Swigard where he comes in half asleep, and hopefully you got access. Thanks, everybody, for tweeting us at Dirt and Sprague and texting into the fan text line, 503-864-6326. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Portland Sports Leader, 1080 The Fan.